Welcome back for another episode of Lead with Purpose podcast with me, Shishing Yang, where we talk about purpose, marketing, mindset, and how to launch, grow, and scale a purpose-driven business. I'm super excited to have Tamid Chaudhary with us today. Tamid is a transformational coach and author and works in sustainability. Tamid and I uh, met recently, I think last year at CISL, Cambridge Institute of Sustainable Leadership. And we were talking about EU policy issues and so on. So welcome, Tamid. Yeah, thank you so much for, for having me and really looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, I am too. There is a lot of things we can talk about today. So um, can you, before we start, Tammy, tell us a little bit about sort of your background, where you started and how come, where, how did you end up as a, transformation, a transformational coach? Because when I met you, all I knew was that you were working with the EU policy and I was quite surprised that you were doing this transformational coaching. Is this a new thing or is that part of the journey? How did you get here? from, um, you know, more EU policy and um, politics and so on. Mm, and, and, and I'll say, you know, I am doing EU policy and I do find it really interesting. I think it's, um, I suppose, part of my wider journey in terms of finding ways of having impact, but also the things I enjoy. So, I mean, I'll start a bit broader in that I, so I grew up in the UK, I come from Bangladeshi parents. Um, I grew up in a place called Bath. Um, I studied in the UK, did a few years, you know, I did a year abroad in France and then later did my master's in Belgium, actually. Um, my background looking at, you know, career stuff, I, I worked in the UK government for four or five years. Um, and, you know, before that, doing a few internships before I got my foot in the door. And then eventually, yeah, uh, worked in the was the Department of Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy, which as of recently is no longer, it's, it's been chopped to pieces. Um, and yeah, since then, I kind of moved across to, to Brussels to work more on EU policy. Um, mm. And that's that's what I do now. But um, I think when I was working in government, what I found is that I also really enjoy the, the, the management aspect and some of that side. And so that led me to, um, I suppose, get more interested in the people part of things. Um, and, you know, when you when you graduate, you don't really know these things. And then I, I found that I really enjoyed them. Um, so that got me more involved in things like um, our diversity network so I was a chair for of, of the race and faith network that we had in Bayes um in, in the department and also later I did a DNI role as part of my policy role so it's kind of something I've kept up and um I then have carried on doing it so yes you know um I have the the work I do but I also really enjoy this space that is really quite in a different sphere from you know the work let's get down let's do and do to actually explore you know what makes people tick and and how can we um really shift our own mindset to to enjoy the lives that we want to live that also gives us the space and creativity or, or allows us to express our creativity in a way to, to to live the lives we want and really accomplish things because the thing i'm seeing around me is there's a lot of pressure and stress and i think that's holding a lot of people back from doing you know they're doing good stuff sometimes great stuff but you know, there's a lot of burnout out there and things. And, and in a space like sustainability or diversity, you know, if you're working so hard and putting so much pressure on yourself that you just collapse, um, it's not a fun place to be. And, you know, I got burnt out after working on Brexit. But also, practically speaking, you're also achieving less because you're burnt out and you need a couple of months to recover. 
So that's kind of what brought me into this world too. Hmm. So is it through sort of your own experience that you've experienced this or have you watched or have you seen other people around you experiencing this as well and that got you interested? Sort of how, how did you get started or is this something that you've always been interested in um, in terms of like mindset and things like that um, through your working life? Because it's quite different to what you normally do within a policy. You don't tend to think about mindset and policy to me, it seems to be like the polar opposite almost, but maybe it's not. Mm, I mean, it, there's definitely things that have made it really sobering. You know, I work on I talk about at work, we get so caught up in, in what we're doing and stuff. And, and Brussels is a place where it's filled with what I describe as policy wonks, you know, people really into the detail. And, you know, I was talking about that. And then I, I did some of this coaching, you know, coaching notifications. You make friends on that stuff. And I was just catching up on, on a Zoom call or something. And I was like, yeah, I'm kind of working on a, a, an event for COP, you know, conference of parties in Glasgow. And yeah, this person was just like, what's COP? And I was like, oh, okay. And it's just a wake up call to, to get out of that. So, so that, that, you know, there is more to the world than just our bubble. But um, mm-hmm. to, to answer the question about what got me involved, um, I did find myself naturally getting more into this personal development space. And uh, the civil service is actually a really great place for that, where there were, you know, courses you can go on and things like that. And I just naturally found that quite interesting. Um, now, I think the, if we can call it epiphany moment, was I was literally working on Brexit and it's just, it's such a momentous thing. And, you know, I was a small cog in it or that's how I was framing it. And so, you know, it got to the point where I was just like, I didn't really know what I could do. And it was a point where, to be honest, I just hired a lot. And I didn't really know how to like put people in places to have impact and things like that. Lots of shifts and stuff within in, internally. And so, you know, I got to the point where I was waking up at like 3, 4 a.m. regularly and just not really falling back asleep. And it wasn't because I was overworked, to be honest. It was just the the amount I was in my head and with the thinking. Um, and so that's what led me to take some time away over Christmas. So that I think I was in 2019 or something to really reevaluate and be like, what do I actually want in life and things? And so the coaching was just like, oh, this is something I enjoy the management side. Let's do some coaching. And mm-hmm. what that's then kind of precipitated is this real shift in seeing how, yeah, you know, we can work with people, but more deeply how I can live my own life and who I'm choosing to be on a day-to-day moment. And particularly in the last, I'd say, six, nine months, it's really going deeper in this space of, you know, how can I be a more loving um caring individual through my actions but based upon my my being and mm. and it's not stuff that we see so often but the, the results can be really powerful you know the way that my friendships have really shifted um I had a friend to me just be like you know of all the people I'm invited here you're like one of the highest I admire I wouldn't have got that three years ago because I would mm. catch up with a friend and be like oh how's it going have a moan about work it's my turn to have a moan they have mm. a moan see you later maybe we'll catch up in like two months um and likewise in the workplace as well it's really made a shift in terms of how I'm received by people but how I'm receiving them as well because it's it's so much more about how we frame it if we frame our I don't know that Susan in HR is a horrible person well you're already creating that reality so so I could go on but I think you probably want to yeah 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 no it's really interesting that it is a little bit of an exchange of energies that you come across differently you receive them different and they receive you differently and then therefore we all perceive to be different to each other I guess so has that changed the way you work as well um, within your policy work or or is it just more on a personal level 
or has that you know enhanced your work in a way made you more productive or more focused I think Would you um, say- yeah 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 I mean there's a saying that's like the way that you do anything is the way that you do everything So I think we can fall into this thing of, you know, the work balance, you know, work-life balance and stuff. And I don't really sign up to that anymore because like it's if you're super stressed at home or you're super stressed at work, like it doesn't magically disappear. Like, um, you know, how many times and people even listening to this, you know, going off on holiday and being stressed or being at work and thinking about personal issues or, you know, staying late and then, you know, that having a knock-on effect in your relationships and romantic or friendships or whatever um so yeah it's just on on a genuine basis because I'm more chilled out about life these days you know I still get I'm I'm not like perfect and nor is the aim to be some sort of robot that's always you know happy um but it's yeah it's a lot easier to just work with people and you know it's so much about the mental load when we feel like we're really stressed we can we create that i wrote an article recently about you know busyness being a state of mind rather than actually about necessarily all the work we do because mm-hmm. yes you know we might be doing more work but it's the amount that we're keeping in our head there's a reason we use outlook calendars i don't need to remember what i'm doing at 3 p.m. next week when it's off the thing table and i just you know see what's in oh okay it's cool and i jump into it the more we can take off that mental load, the more that we're just like chill and we're doing things. And so there are points where I hit really great levels of flow. And that's what's also enabled me to do like, yeah, work on the job, but also do some coaching. And yeah, I mean, I didn't mention it yet, but, but also writing a book and that was something I wanted to do. So I did it. Yeah. Is this a second book you're writing? Because you have published a book already, haven't you? So um, I'll mention a bit about, so I've got a copy here. Um, so this was my first book. I do want to write more um, and I've got a plan for a second, but um, yeah. this came out in November. So it was a book called um, Make Diversity Matter to You. Um, and the subheading is like increasing your confidence and tackling the diversity issues you face in your organization. Um, I, I self-published it. Um, it's, it's actually quite easy these days. And yeah, I after Black Lives Matter in 2020, I kind of wanted to do something. I'd done a lot in government on supporting around diversity and things like that. Um, but I, yeah, I was like, someone mentioned something about writing a book. So I was like, okay, let's do it. And I got a bunch done. I, I was really in the mindset of doing it. And then I got about 20,000 words in and then I just ran out of things to say. So I kind of was just got stuck and it was only in 2022 when I revisited it. And it was a lot about this, who am I being and like, who am I choosing to be in my life? Am I choosing someone who's like, oh, I can't do this? Or am I making the commitment to go deeper and actually finish it? So I made the commitment to finish it. In fact, there's a recording with a friend of mine. He's a, he's a coach. He basically got me to agree to finish it by the 19th of November, which is his birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was in April, 2022. So made the recording, you know, did all that. And I was half written. So I was like, okay, so I, I did the work. I, I just, you know, went on Sundays. There was a meetup group where you just sit down and write for two hours, did all that. And um yeah, I managed, I thought, okay, I'll at least get like a Kindle version by his birthday. I think his birthday was either, it was on a Sunday as well. So I got that and then I uploaded it all to, to Amazon. It's actually really quite easy. Um, and I thought, oh, it'd be cool if I could send him a copy for his birthday. But then when I looked, it was like, oh, expedited delivery will take another week. But all right, whatever. So, so I did it anyway. And then 
on like at Sunday at 1am, you know, sometimes, I don't know if you know, but Amazon's like write you a message and it just said, yeah, it's getting delivered today. So he got a physical copy on his birthday at 1.30pm and I had a wow. little note. Um, so yeah, it's cool. It's it's amazing. It's about who I was choosing to be more than necessarily like the task of writing a book. Because yeah. yeah, writing a book is writing a book. You sit down yeah, and write proving to yourself that this is what you're going to do so can you tell us a little bit I know in your book you mentioned something called the cupid model could you tell us a little bit about that so that we get a taste of what what is described in your book yeah for sure and thank you for asking um so the reason I wrote the book as well was I saw a gap with a lot of diversity books are either very academic or they are you know you also get the personal development ones so, so I saw there was something like in between where it's like the, the idea of the book was to make an accessible way of understanding diversity where I throw in my own personal experiences and just my own interpretations of like some of the terminology like equity or, you know, yeah. in-group and out-group yeah. without making it too dense so that it just kind of becomes this big fat tomb that, tome that you're meant to read. Um, and so as part of that, it was also bringing a coaching approach. And that's where I basically just came up with it one day and it was well, how can we create a, a model that is, it's not very complicated and that's kind of the point. And so it just came up with this idea of like, oh, let's call it a cube model. And it's culture, upbringing, biased and lived experience. And all it's basically asking is, you know, what is your culture? Is it the mainstream culture? How important is your culture to you? Likewise with upbringing, you know, you should grow up in a religious family. How important was your upbringing? You know, I had bias as well. Have you seen bias in other people? experience bias yourself have you been biased against people or for people and finally like lived experience you know how has that shown up in your life in the workplace and marriage family whatever and you know I just came up with a non well questions but really it's non-exhaustive and you know you can go on my website it's just tamachowdhury.co.uk and I think I've got a worksheet for free I just put it on like yeah sure um and the idea is it's a self-inquiry thing to help you understand diversity for yourself that's the that's the point of the book and a lot of people haven't really thought about these things I've mm -hmm. I've done a few sessions with um organizations and yeah it's really great just to spark conversations because I don't really define some of these terms because I want to keep it quite open-ended you know some people talk about the accents or, or class and things like that and um what was really interesting once was that I did it with some white males and you know at first they almost felt embarrassed because they were like if they feel like they shouldn't have an opinion because you know they're, they're the kind of superior or majority or whatever and yeah so that came out in them saying like oh I don't think I have a culture and I was like hmm and then it was like okay just letting them kind of think that through a little bit more and then they were like oh actually you know I had a Scottish father or something Irish mother or whatever and then they started talking about you know not religious and stuff like that and it's like yeah that that's that's what we mean by culture and so I think that's a really critical step because if a lot of people who haven't really thought about this assume that like not really having a culture, it's like as if there isn't a thing there. And so when people are talking about their own cultures from a different background, it's like it's like this whole different alien concept because they don't even think they have a culture themselves. Whereas of course, like how can you not have a culture? Yeah. You know, you grew up somewhere. Um, so yeah, just in summary, I, the, the reason why I think this is really powerful is that sometimes, and you know, I know a lot of diversity inclusion practitioners and all that stuff we're really passionate about this stuff same with sustainability but sometimes we forget that there was a reason like we probably experienced something or seen something and so if you just go to someone and tell them 
you need to care about this because X, Y, Z, you're skipping the crucial step of really helping them understand it. Um, and I think that's really key. And sometimes we get so rationalized about, you know, tasks and whatever. And that's why it can turn into a bit checklisty because deep down, does the person care? And they could be a caring person. It's just they don't really get it because they're not seeing it. So that's the aim. And I guess we perceive things differently as well, based maybe on our biases and our cultures and everything else. Yeah, just like you say, if they don't understand it, how are they going to care? So how do you think there is any barriers between um, understanding or achieving sustainability and and culture and diversity? How does that all kind of come together? Because these are all areas that you work within. Do you think that certain cultures, however you define culture, um, maybe define culture for us um, and also diversity? So how, how do they kind of have this connection with each other or you think has got no real effect in how we understand sustainability and all, and also how we can achieve sustainability? I think um, I'd be curious for you to hear what, how you know you found it on a personal level too, but mm. what I see in the sustainability movement and in quite a lot of these, what I would describe as liberal movements, I think it can get to a point where we, I, I see organizations and, you know, I experience this in government as well as, you know, we're the good guys sort of thing. And so there's a lack of self-awareness on some of these things in terms of like representation and things like that. And, you know, you look at some of the international debates and, you know, is it very white male or, you know, it's talking about the people who this affects a lot in, I don't know, Africa, Asia, whatever, without really bringing them into the conversation. And so on a practical level of representation in, you know, these organizations, yeah, it is pretty privileged and, you know, white, um, you, you get quite a lot of that. And I think that has an effect in the policymaking because, or, or well, policymaking in my field, but like, you know, uh, the decision-making um, because it's not that representative. And, you know, you, you see that a little bit from the, and it, it, I don't think, it, I mean, it, I don't think it's intentional, but you start getting this sort of savior complexity sort of narrative. Um, and it's a bit, it's a bit tedious, a bit tiring as well. And it's kind of like, oh yeah, but we're really helping things. But then when you look at an organization's like recruitment strategy and things like that, and it's like, it's not really making the effort as much as it could, you know, I'm talking generally, there are some places that do this really well. Um, and so, yeah, it's, you know, that representation is one area, but it's also, you know, diversity and inclusion in of its nature is bringing different minds towards a, an issue or, you know, challenge. And that brings out the best in people because, you know, you get that variety of views. And so I think it's all relevant. I think sustainability has its own particular sort of challenges around it. Um, I think you get some really great people attracted to the question of sustainability because they really care. And that's great. And I'm not looking to take away from that. But I think that can sometimes manifest in a way that is oh but I'm doing good in the world so I don't need to look at myself in terms of some of the actions I do too mm. Mm. it's interesting yeah I think sustain I mean, sustainability is really a big area anyway and um like you said I think some certain parts is it's a privilege to even be able to care um in terms of what we do, the actions we take and our behavior, consumer, consumerism and all of that. Some, some people may not even have that choice. I mean, for mm. us to be able to choose something, let's buy organic. I mean, honestly, we're trying to survive here. We just mm. want food or just want clothes. 
Um, so I th that's why I was asking that, that question really to see how, what your take on it, because I think there is a little bit of a disconnect between uh, sustainability or well, real sustainability with everyone. Um, and then to talk about diversity, um, I don't. I, I don't believe in this. What we see generally, there's enough of diversity within uh, the sustainability field. In my personal opinion, so I just wanted to get your opinion on that. So, um, you also, within your coaching, uh, one of the things that you said that you want to achieve is to um, help people achieve a more full, more fulfilling and happier life. I would like to ask you uh, what you think a fulfilling life is and how does one achieve a fulfilling life? I love the question. Um, and thank you for asking it. I think it's, I think it's what we want it to be and that's the beauty of it. And, and so, you know, the stuff I'm talking about is, is probably not for everyone, you know, and, and some people scoff at the, you know, coaching, personal development, life coaching. Ooh. And that's cool, you know, um, and yeah, to be honest, a few years ago, I'd probably be similar. I was like, you know, if it's not based in factual, whatever, I don't really get it. And and so, you know, it, it's, it's been a, a shift for me as well. You know, I'm someone who has worked a lot in the mind and, you know, the mind is a really powerful tool, but we overuse it actually on matters of the heart. You know, you don't write a SWOT analysis on who you're going to marry or, you know, where you're going to live. And so, I just know a lot of people and, and chat to a lot of people and, you know, often sometimes coach them on these questions of, you know, but where do I want to live? And a lot of the time it's this like mental trying to work it out and, oh, what does this mean for my career? But in six years time, I want to do live here and be married and da, da, da. And it's moving a lot away from that sense of like presence that we can have and just an enjoyment of the moment. And so I think it's, I mean, if you want a magic formula that, a lot of people will be like, okay, what's the magic formula? And then be a bit disappointed because they're expecting something bigger. But it's fulfillment is now, you know, we, we are born as whole, fulfilled, happy human beings uh, or content human beings. And so what can get in the way is our thinking. You know, we can think that because we, you know, only got two masters as opposed to three or whatever it is now and not enough of a PhD, uh, you know, a doctorate instead of a PhD um, that, oh, I'm not enough. I'm, I'm a failure. And, and that's a, that's what we've learned through society, but we can also unlearn that. And, and likewise, we can, when you dig under the surface of things like, you know, relationships and, you know, work and stuff and like, you know, being good at our jobs is our identity. So if you have a bad day at work because something goes wrong, even if you couldn't have really helped it, or even if you could have, it leaves you feeling terrible because your self sense of self-worth comes from your job. And mm. it's those sorts of things. So it's a very individual thing, but also there's a universal truth under it that when we try and chase fulfillment, that's the moment where it's the hardest to find is when you kind of let go. And, you know, I was just walking down the road. I remember in autumn when I was really going through it, just like noticing the leaves and being like, Oh, isn't this nice? It's like daily appreciations. Um, yeah. The more that we have that, the more, the rest of our things in life also fall into place, whether it's our grand ambitions or love mm. life or whatever. Mm. But in order to get to where you are, I'm sure you've had to have some goals. So where does goal setting uh, come into one's fulfillment? Because you mentioned before that we have this picture of what we should do. Um, like in six years time, we're gonna have this house, we're gonna have this marriage, we're gonna have these kids. Is that now, when you talk about fulfillment it's about now so how, how 
does that not matter then what we do like what we do we still plan in order to get fulfillment or is fulfillment to you just this moment and letting go of everything else um what was your model on that because I, I different people perceive fulfillment differently so I'm just curious to find out how yeah how, how you see fulfillment is it just about now or is there has the future got anything to do with your own fulfillment in this moment mm. yeah no I love the question and thank you for answering I think it's a really insightful one um I think you can go really hardcore on this and being like I don't need anything to be happy I can just live like on the top of the mountain and stuff and that's cool um and you know what I think that is probably possible I don't think it's quite what I would like and, and I think this is the thing and it's 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 interesting you use the word like should I think like oh it should be in six months six years of uh, xyz mm. I don't use should so much because that's kind of a judgment um I'll probably use it here and there but the language really makes a difference and so it's a lot more of what I want and that's a lot more fun and creative and so like you know if I want to write a book or yeah you said you want to do a podcast yeah I fancy that it's quite fun <laughs> um it's it's a lot more fun because I guess it's it's coming from a basis that we are creative beings um and creation can mean anything like you know um for me it might be writing but it doesn't need to be anything super fancy it can just be cooking or whatever tidying you know we, we create our our realities um so goals um yeah i think they're helpful they point us in the direction if we want to get towards something you know it's nice to have something to work towards i think on the basis we can go with that thing of there is no real meaning and i think that can be helpful because it can take away a lot of pressure as long as you're not using it in this like nihilistic everything's there's no meaning so there's you know everything's pointless but rather we put a lot of meaning on things that we could say don't really matter like oh have i sent that email on my deathbed i'm not going to care if i've sent this email or not i'm not going to even remember it but mm. what i can do from that space of oh actually things don't really matter too much i can then just choose what i want to do and what i want to make an important something important for me so like i don't know a relationship yeah i want to make that important that's a choice um and i can choose differently later if i want and it it really takes that agency i think back towards us rather than us being a victim of our jobs our spouse's moods or you know all that stuff because i think when and i saw this a lot in government as well and anywhere with friends you're you can be part of such a big system and when we're talking about sustainability and you're like whole global things and you can just look up and you can get so overwhelmed and you know no judgment i, I i've had that for sure but then there's the question of like okay well when we can look at what we can really do it's far more empowering and it's going to have far greater impact and so yeah bringing it to a goal yeah i do want to let's say you know say for you creating a podcast or or, or making shifts or whatever it might be um cool yeah mm. and we can have a conversation and then look at how you can create it mm. okay great no so i mean because you, you you just talk very much like it's now fulfillment and I'm like yeah but what do we do after that so it's that we can't feel can we feel fulfilled every single moment of the day do you feel fulfilled at the moment Thomas? I feel generally fulfilled I think yeah. so yeah I mean and this is why I say I use words like fulfilled and contentment because I think 
it is also a natural part of life to be happy and sad. And so it's not this sort of toxic positivity. I'm always happy because block out negative thoughts. I don't think it quite works like that. And, you need and, to feel and, both. Yeah, because it's it's part of the human experience. Um, but I think generally when I look at my life, yeah, do I feel fulfilled? Yeah, I think so. But sometimes I forget, you know, sometimes I get so caught up in this, oh, well, you know, you look at page 24 and, well, I think that paragraph is written wrong or whatever. Yeah, you know, um, I can get caught up in the same way anyone can. But yeah. I think it's a practice. Like the more that I kind of look back at the, you know, things like gratitude and reflecting on who I want to be in the day, you know, do I want to be someone who's kicking off because, I don't know, some silly thing because the cashier uh, was a bit cold to me and then I tell all my friends oh did you see that cashier or do I want to be someone that's like loving and understanding mm. and I don't always get it right but um by having a a focus towards that I'm certainly doing it a lot more you know I give a lot more to like beggars on the homeless people on the street and I don't always but it's a conscious thing where I'm like well who am I choosing to be here I've got change and I can sometimes I'm like mm, I don't know um but I'm doing a lot more and that's probably a better thing than if I didn't at all. I guess it's just having that intention that, that that's where you want to be in your life as well. So mm -hmm. what is your next book about, Tamid? I haven't is started it, it, but I have. Can you reveal that yet or is it too soon? Uh, yeah, sure. Although the more I reveal it, the more people are like, oh yeah, you should get on and write that. Um, so it's <laughs> oh, called... You started it already. <laughs> no, I haven't. I've just, I've, I've sent myself voice notes. Uh, one thing that I was finding I was doing is, and I am doing is overcoming myself a bit. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking a bit of a breather. You know, this, I only finished in November and um, yeah, I do work full time as well. So, you know, I've got to give myself, um, yeah, right. <laughs> my own time. But this book, it's going to, it's called um, Jane's Quest for Meaning in the Nine to Five and it will be about the titular character Jane uh, her sort of early mid-career well no uh a sort of quote unquote young professional sort of I, I don't know if I'll specify the age but kind of at that stage uh and this book starts with her being really annoyed because her boss didn't give her a promotion and you know how much so much of it was her you know oh her boss doesn't understand and all that stuff and she's very disgruntled she's got a boyfriend year or two and you know she spends a lot of time she comes back and you know she's like oh well why don't you you know she's just she's not seeing the commitment and so she's like oh but when are we going to get married and kids and all this sort of stuff and getting quite into that and um yeah so she's kind of a lot in her mind so it's kind of a philosophical tale ish I aim to be, keep it quite short but um yeah, she's spending a lot of time thinking about like the externals and yeah, why isn't this and this and you know I need that from my boyfriend and oh my parents don't understand and oh, I'm too tired for my friends and she um, this bit is somewhat semi biographical. Um, she is late for a presentation. She has to print off some stuff, but she hasn't installed the printer drivers, so she has to grab a USB stick um, and she only finds one in the office like drawer and it's this old USB stick like it looks really weird. And then she plugs it in and stuff, and then it opens up, and it's like a, I don't know if it'll probably be like an MS-DOS, and it'll be like, uh, I am the MS, uh, sorry, I am the USB stick of truth with the, you like, infinite knowledge of the universe. And it will kind of be the prompting thing of some of these things in her life of being like, 
you know, asking her questions about the way that she's looking at things like, oh, well, it's my boss's fault. I feel like this. And it's like, well, is it really the boss's fault? And it's like, yeah, of course. But you know, I don't know, for example, like, does everyone feel like that way when they talk to your boss? Oh, well, no, but it's the way that she talks to me. And it's like, well, has she, like, is she always talking to you negatively? It's like, no, oh, I guess not. And and so it's kind of like a framing way of looking at the at different aspects of her life. And she will kind of go on this journey and like trying to find different solutions, you know, probably have a break while well, she'll have a breakup. And then she'll be like, oh, no. And then she'll go full on to like the fitness and it'll be like, oh, this is my new thing. And then she'll get injured and be like, oh, no, woe is me. And it will kind of be this this shifting journey. Um, and she'll go off on something like a career break and stuff and then eventually come back and, and stuff. So um I do kind of have the narrative. Already, I've got the, I've the got it pretty much <laughs> set out, and I think there's a few plot lines. Like she'll have like a friend at home that she just neglects, but always just goes to whenever she's having like strife, but never kind of reciprocates. So I've got quite a bit of it, and it's it's based upon kind of what I saw and experienced in London. I mean, obviously, it's a new challenge to write as like a female character, but uh, yes. So if you're wondering what the book was, there you go. You have it first, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you for sharing that. So now if we want to work with you, Tamid, or maybe find out more about policy, sustainability, you've got so many expert areas here. How do we get hold of you? Yeah, just um, find me on LinkedIn. So Tamid Chowdhury, I post very regularly. I also post on like Instagram as well, if you're a bit more into that. Um, but yeah, just, just I mean, have, have a check out if you want. I've, I've got a newsletter. I post every week. Um I think I haven't missed a week now in 54 weeks, I realized. So over a year. So that was cool. I think it was only two weeks ago I hit the year mark and I was like, oh, cool. Um, I did write mine last week on Sunday night because I was just really like, mm. so anyway, um, but I got it done. Uh, so yeah, check out check out my articles. Um, and yeah, if you ever want to chat, just drop me a message. I tend to respond pretty quickly. Like it's not some big scary thing. Um, and yeah, if you're curious on anything I said, um, let me know in fact here's an invitation like if there is something that you found interesting from this podcast um, drop me a message I'd just love to hear your reflections and you know we can have a quick chat about it and by the book but what's the name of the book again please remind us so the book is um, called make diversity matter to you and it's available on Amazon um, it's on the different storefronts so it's on the UK one it's also on like US France Germany um Australia and a, and a few others um, and it's also available on Kindle so yeah brilliant thank you so much for your time and sharing of your knowledge with us um, it's been great thank you thank you for having me thank you so much for listening to this episode I hope you enjoyed it and if you would like more tips ideas and thoughts on how to launch grow and scale a purpose-driven business and also hear from other purpose-driven entrepreneurs about their journeys, please follow the podcast and remember, lead with purpose.